When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, hey Johnny. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. You can hear us okay? Yeah, I can hear you perfect. How about me? How's my audio? Great. Wonderful. All right. Awesome. Awesome. I just want to say welcome to the show. I'm glad to actually have you guys here with me. Uh, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to end up introducing the show, and then from there, I'll introduce you, and then you can explain what uh, your film is about, and then we'll go on with the interview. Sounds good. All right. So, hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show for today's podcast. I actually have Gianni with me, and also Jake. I have the cinematographer, which is Gianni, and also Jake, who's actually the director of this film, and... I have to say, when I saw the trailer and everything, I had a fantastic time actually seeing this trailer. And that is, the the name of the movie is none other than Concrete Jungle. So, go on ahead and explain uh, how you guys got involved a little bit, where people can follow you. And then from there, we'll go on ahead and get on with the questions. I'll, I'll let Jake explain everything. All right. Um, okay. So, yeah, this summer we started writing and directing a movie called Concrete Jungle. It's a bit of a passion project I've had in my head for years now, and I just kind of knew, like, when quarantine started, there's no time to start doing it then now. So, um, we really, we really just grinded it out and worked really hard. We casted all our friends, and we're just really excited about it. That's awesome, man. I, I just want to say I can definitely feel the connection with your friends and everything, especially when watching this trailer. It has kind of like a little bit of a Kevin Smith kind of vibe to it. Oh, uh, I love Kevin Smith. <laughs> Same here as well. And that's what I actually got from it was the friendship, the closeness, the bond with everybody like Kevin Smith has. And you definitely touch on a lot of great things in the trailer in itself. Even though you don't give some of the plot details or anything like that, you can definitely tell that there is a bond there. There is something special about this film that is unique. And I like the fact that, you know, you guys are actually close. Yeah, we're like a family. Um, that's, we just, we're just like a big circle of friends. And we've all done like YouTube skits together and all like mini short films and projects. So it was kind of natural, all of us coming together to um, act in a whole movie. <clears throat> that's fantastic, man. That's That's just fantastic. I'm happy to hear that. And, you know, with this film... Like I said, I mean, you guys actually captured a little bit of a 90s vibe in this thing. I really have to say, I can actually sense a little bit of a 90s type of vibe in this. So we, you know, we're all pretty big movie buffs. We follow a lot of movie stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, letterbox accounts, and just film in general. And we drew a lot of inspiration from La Hena, um, something on the Centurion channel. Criterion Criterion channel. (laughs) Where um, it's a black and white foreign film and the cinematography and the action and the story behind it just really inspired us to, you know, almost inspired us to kickstart this. Also something like um, Hill's mid-90s where he saw he saw these movies and was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a movie. And that's that's what that's what we said this entire time. We're making a movie. This is actually happening. And it's something that, like Jake said, that we were so passionate about that really got us through it. It's funny because when I started writing the script, I watched mid-90s and I was like, um, I called Tucker, who plays Leo, and I was like, I think we should really like make this movie set in the 90s. But Tucker said that was a bad idea, so we didn't end up going through with that. Oh, you, okay. I gotcha. But I guess we still catch um, the 90s vibe. You definitely, you guys definitely did. And then I don't know who it is with the Metallica shirt and stuff like that. Uh, Tucker. Um, yeah. That's Tucker. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to be honest with you. Back in high school, I used to be that kind of person. I used to be the person that wore like the Ozzy Osbourne t shirts and Hot Topic. I used to wear the Limp Biscuit t shirts, Metallica. And I'm still having into that music and everything too. So be able for me to be able to pick up on that and also pick up on my years in high school and everything was just great because it made, gave me memories back 
that I had back with my friends back in high school and just coming uh, like a coming of age kind of exactly, film is what exactly. I got out of it. Yeah, it's it's um actually pretty much all of the wardrobe is out of our own closets. <laughs> we Hey, there's nothing wrong with that, man. There's actually nothing wrong with that. It it just stays true to who you guys really are, oh, you yeah. know? We we can't lie. We're 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 big into that classic rock. We love it. And we we definitely awesome. drew inspiration for for the characters from, you know, our points of view as high school students and, you know, what what these what these guys would essentially be doing. You know, we have Charlie and Leo as these two kind of rascals who don't really have much home life that it just live in the concrete jungle. And we needed to see, hey, how would these people act in this environment with so many others that we casted? All right. And I here's the thing. I was just wondering, why is it exactly called Concrete Jungle? Is it more like the fact that you're a teenager, you're trying to discover who you are, you're living a city element, and it's kind of like a jungle where you live? Or what uh, What exactly sets that? Um, well, this is a movie I've had in my head for like three years. And when I started writing it, like barely writing it, but like having the idea in my head, I just always liked the sound of the name Concrete Jungle. And the whole movie is kind mm-hmm. of in like a big city, like busy city where things are happening constantly. And that's kind of the definition of Concrete Jungle. So I had that as the working title for this movie, but we couldn't really think of a better title. And it just kind of seemed to fit as we kept shooting. So we stuck with Concrete Jungle. And a big... It just rolls off your tongue. I'll just be honest with you. It it sticks out like a sore thumb. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's you. awesome. And like you said, um, like we You're were welcome. saying earlier, not only did we have a connection with our friends that came natural to us, but this is our home. We really wanted, personally, right. a- as the man behind the camera, we wanted to capture life in Rochester. This is, you know, a small place on the map, but to us, it's huge. We've lived here all our lives, and when you really look into it, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, shooting the movie, we really try to get in, like, the corners of Rochester where it's, like, really pretty that no one really sees. Like, um, there's a parking garage we shot at in the city a really big parking garage and you saw in the trailer we have those walls of graffiti that i think are just awesome yeah that's that's what i really liked was the graffiti and everything it definitely sets the tone of what your neighborhood is like and what the city that you actually grew up in so that's what i liked about it that's what made, makes it so special yeah we tried to like really um just give it that whole city vibe like just try to make it like come to life in a way all right uh, my question is for Gianni, though, too. Um, I know that when it comes down to lighting and doing cinematography, it can be a challenge. And because of it being a challenge, I know the lighting uh, has to be an issue. And part of the and it's also a big key thing in the part of the film. And my question is this. How do you actually place certain actors at a certain t- given time? to where you know for a fact that the lighting will actually be perfect in this location. A big thing for us was we wanted to do this right. So between unemployment and just money that we had, we bought as much professional equipment as possible. And something for us was lighting. Lighting, camera, and audio were huge for us. And they were big wins in our book. For lighting, it wasn't... It wasn't as huge as a problem as we were expecting but for me a lot of it was make it so that it works it can't look unnatural it has to look professional yes this is a you know movie made by two teenagers but it's also something that we're super passionate about and that we want to do right so for me lighting it was always let's get it so that it looks good for everybody not just one person let's make it so that it's not super dark and super bright. Let's make it neutral in every shot so that everything looks consistent on top of it all. And, you know, not every shot is perfect. So a lot of it we're, like, at least hoping to fix in post. Right. I can understand that because a lot of, actually, all the editing and stuff like that has to happen in post-production when it comes down to lighting and stuff like that. So, but I can definitely tell that it definitely complements the characters. The lighting does. Mm-hmm. 
so you guys you. were able to actually capture that. Thank you. You're very welcome. And Jake, um, can you give me a short? Syn- oh no, never mind. You already did that. <laughs> but you know, I, I just like the how simple it is, and it's not so complex. It's not convoluted with everything. You actually know what you're going for and what you're aiming for. The thing is, I feel like. And- um, sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. A no. lot of Go on short ahead. films I see made by people our age. Um, first off, usually I see like teenagers playing the roles of adults, or like they try to like make like a drama or like a really like dark movie. But I feel like it just never. It's cool to do that stuff and like try that stuff. But for us, I realized like we should really just write what we know. You know, if we like write like a candid movie based off like what we've known and experienced. Um, it'll come off the best and like the most candid or like the most believable. So I just try to like, you know what I mean? Right. And to me, being a teenager and stuff like that is not always dark and ominous, like everything, like everything, you know, Mm -hmm. and to capture some lightheartedness and everything is always great. Yeah. Like, um, I just don't think a teenager will ever play like a believable mob boss or anything. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Because normally what we see nowadays is, you know, the sad, depressed teen, and there's no, there's nothing but darkness that clouds over them. And I'm like, where's all the good, lighthearted stuff when it's related to comedy and drama? I think for, you know, for us, a big thing was, like we said, we, we've, we know these people, we know our friends. We know right. what they can and what they can't do. And Jake will tell you, when writing the script, we saw it wasn't Leo and Charlie. It was, okay, so Tucker and Josh will be doing this, while Austin, Henry, will be doing this. Because we know, hey, our friends are going to sell this role like this. We wrote the roles tailored almost to them. Obviously, there were some changes in cast, but essentially, it was all, we were writing a movie about us. We wrote what we know. That's that's great. I mean, I like the fact that you actually did that because I remember whenever I was running a script about four teenagers that actually want to become rock stars, <laughs> that I actually had the personalities of my friends and those characters. Yeah, and that's what and makes, to be able to right that what that's what makes it so believable. It, it's what sells. Reality sells because, like, this right? Said, if this were you know some gangsters hanging out in in <laughs> New Jersey trying to find this goal it wouldn't be real we wanted to we wanted it to be relatable almost right and it definitely is I, like I told you before I love what you guys have done with it uh, with, as far as the Kevin Smith look goes and stuff like that and you know you can definitely tell those actors become those characters within the trailer itself because how relatable it actually is and you can tell they're actually glued into it and just not milking it in or anything like that and that's what that's the whole thing of a trailer is to actually make you care about the trailer and that's what reeled me in and for me to care about this trailer and this movie and what you guys are actually doing and you guys have something very special thank you thank you very much you're very welcome. We have little shit and, right now. What? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, my, my question is for the both of y'all, though. Go for it. So, okay. So, who are your main influences in doing what you love doing? Uh, for me, I feel like every movie I've ever watched has influenced me in some, some way. Um, I really love the Softy Brothers. Um, Kevin Smith, like you said. Anyone who really, like, just started off really small and just did what they love and like what they wanted to make a movie about and just went with it. Uh, my favorite director is definitely David Fincher and it's, it's nothing close to a Fincher movie, but like no. kind of like his, um, like what he says about filmmaking and stuff like that. I listen to a lot and definitely take note of. I like the fact that you guys are both willing to learn new things and new techniques and listening to other directors, listening to other actors as well as too on how they actually do their stuff. So I do have to commend you on that for actually 
not just doing what you guys want to do, but also advancing out and not afraid to learn something new. So that's a big step. That's actually, you're doing a lot better than some people that I know (laughs) that are still stuck in their little bubble and they don't want to experience anything else. So you're very welcome. You know, for us, this was, this was Jake's, this is Jake's movie. And when he came to me to do cinematography, I wanted to help him a hundred percent. And I think what worked so well for the both of us was we trusted each other to put our vision to life. You know, Jake had this idea, I had this idea, and it either worked, and sometimes it didn't, and we we worked to resolve it. We were very open-minded about everything that we did so that we could work together to actually make this how we wanted it to be. Right, because if you have something to where you guys are actually just butting heads and getting frustrated over something... You know, that is not that. It's just going to cause more drama, more oh, yeah. chaos on the set. Oh, yeah. So that's always good to actually have open-mindedness with each other and being honest with one another and saying, hey, look, this is not working. Maybe we can do it this way. It might actually work. If not, hey, we'll just go on ahead. We'll uh, not even worry about it and we'll add in another scene or we'll do something different. Yeah, yeah definitely a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, also, too... You know, I noticed the comic book shop. And here's the thing. I'm a big sweaty when it comes down to comic books. As a matter of fact, I use the word sweaty. Yeah. As in a big nerd. <laughs> we like that. Because, thanks. And I don't know who you know, if you don't know who John Schnepp is or anything like that. But, you know, he always used the word sweaty. And he was actually one of my main influences and everything. He passed away a couple of years back, but I never got to meet him. But he would always say, we're going to get sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I say sweaty, I think of a big sweaty nerd. I'm just sweaty over the call books and things like that. And I was just wondering, I mean, are you guys into comic books and stuff like that, too? Oh, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> we love comic books. Definitely Gianni probably more than me, considering his dad owns a comic book shop. But... um. Oh, sweet. So the big thing for us was, like we said, the concrete jungle. This is Rochester. This is our city and this is our home. Let's work with businesses to actually make it real. And my dad, a couple years years ago, opened his own comic book store and is super proud of it. And we love it there. Its business has been booming even through quarantine. And we always want to film there. It's a great location. It's always busy. It's got the space we need. And like I said, we wanted to incorporate as many aspects of our city as possible. And we thought, what better than to put these, you know, these these geeky teens in a comic book store for one scene. And we also thought it would be interesting because the main characters, Leo and Charlie, aren't the type of people that would normally go to a comic shop. So it's kind of an interesting environment for them to go there to this, like, culture they, have, they know nothing about. And, like, meet Henry, who's just a complete, like nerd and geek and see like their personalities <laughs> clash with each other i think it's definitely like a really funny dynamic i think so too and a matter of fact it kind of reminds you of randall from clerks too which, <laughs> yeah. uh and it also reminds you of elias who's actually big into the transformers and stuff like that from clerks too it's kind of uh, and how they actually collide <laughs> kind of reminds you of characters from pretty much all of kevin smith's movies right and I love the. F- I, I have to laugh my ass off at this though. Whenever the guy is just a clipto, yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't even care what it is because that's what kleptomaniacs do. They just want it because they can get it and because they can think that they can get away with it. Yeah, one, one of the first so, of the movie, like the kleptomaniac Charlie, he pulls out like a Beatles vinyl and a like hockey jersey out of his backpack that he just stole from the <laughs> pawn shop. I love it. Very specific things. Um. <laughs> My question is this. Have you ever seen the movie Can't Hardly Wait? No, but I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Okay. You know, uh, okay. Um, the, I ever saw American Pie. I'm just wondering. Yeah. So the way I can actually. Okay. You know the guy that, uh, the Shermanator? Uh-huh. Yeah. He's actually in that movie. And he's just taking shit. Just randomly just <laughs> taking stuff. And matter of fact, at this little diner. He just goes in and takes a whole gumball machine and walks out the door with it. And that's exactly what that reminds me of. And I love it. Yeah, Charlie Charlie doesn't really have any kind of, like, reasoning. So he just kind of lives life like that. 
that's that's great. Not great that he steals, but <laughs> that's just great to actually have that kind of humor and the movie and everything. Because like, where the hell did you get that from? Oh, I just got that at the pawn shop the other day. You want it? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, my my other thing is this: like, what are some of your favorite comic books that you guys are actually reading? What's your favorite superhero stuff like that? Uh, I go through like a really big phase of a year or two where I just spend weeks just blowing money at the comic book store, and pretty much every time it's always Spider Man. Just I buy droves of Spider Man comics, usually the '80s and '90s runs. Oh, nice. Those are always the best ones. The 80s to the 90s, those always had some great stuff in it. Yeah, for for me personally, I mean, working there with my dad, I get a lot of exposure to a lot of different different stuff. And sometimes I like I like the small things, like the independent books that you don't hear much about. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of just, you know, small groups of heroes here and there through uh, Dark Horse or Image that they're not really known. And they're they're good, just real comic book stories, you know? And, uh, right, I love Scott Pilgrim. Oh, Scott Pilgrim's great. <laughs> That's all you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but another thing too, I want to actually say this: I'm probably going to end up sending both of y'all a comic book that I actually ended up in interviewing this independent comic book writer. No way. Yeah, I did. Um, I, matter of fact, it's on one of my episodes that I just did recently, maybe about a month ago. Oh, and the. Yeah, it's actually called Advanced Genetics, and you can actually find him on Instagram. That's sick. And, yeah, so I'm going to be giving away to some of my fans, so I'm going to go on ahead and give you guys two copies of it. Thank you so One much. For you. Thank you, You're man. welcome. Amazing. You're very welcome. Because I'm going to be honest with you, if you actually look in his Instagram, man, uh, guess what? It's just amazing. It's, it, the artwork is just that's, phenomenal. That's it, what gets me. The art is just it, yeah, uh, the main reason exactly. I like buy comics or collect them is definitely for the artwork. Same here as well. And let's see, I, the comic book that the comic book shop that I'm actually uh, that I actually go to is actually closing down on the 31st of October. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it sucks. It really you does. Gotta come up here to Rochester. Every yeah, most definitely. Books, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly because. I'm a huge Morbius fan. I love the Punisher, uh, Batman, and stuff like that. I love, I love, I always love Batman and stuff like that. But sometimes I take a break. I'm like, okay, I can't do DC right now. I got to go with Marvel Lots a little of bit. DC out there, that they're just throwing at the wall. <laughs> right, exactly, and hoping it sticks. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, as far as the comics go, constantly, but. Marvel is definitely doing a good job with their Doctor Strange comics and things like that. Strange Academy is doing really hot right now, actually. Oh, nice. I'm I'm glad to actually hear that. Yeah, Yeah, Marvel's definitely picking up on their more um, smaller stories. You know, they're they're straying away more from their Iron Mans and Hulks and focusing more on their, their mutants and magic and just, you know, doing things that well, sorry, not sorry. DC only wishes to achieve. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm a Marvel fanboy, but I'm also a DC fanboy, so I like both. Oh, yeah, it can't be biased. But even, right, but even I can admit, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. I'm not a blind fanboy to admit that they're just throwing dust into the wind oh, sometimes, yeah. and hopefully somebody catches it, you know. But uh, Morbius, the, I know that they're not making any more Morbius comics right now because they were on a roll before with yeah. that they had um, but the they had this Ravencraft series that came out for a little bit morbius was morbius showed himself in there but i think right now they're really uh i like what they're doing with him in the in the in the movies having me too to the cinematic universe definitely a interesting character on a different take of marvel that not a lot of people know about that whole monster side of things no, definitely not. And, you know, I think Sony it finally understands what they're going for. It understands their universe that they're going yep. for, unlike before. Yep. And it was all because of that whole entire thing where Marvel lets them play in their sandbox for a little bit. And now they're actually learning the Marvel way. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's just a little sweaty stuff that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> it's <laughs> but... always fun to talk like that. I'm glad, man. I mean, anytime that you guys actually want to come on and just talk comic books and stuff like that, let me know. I'll be glad to actually have you on. Yeah, just give us the word. Yeah. 
because seriously, man, um, serious guys, I'm actually talking about trying to come up with like a panel discussion of comic book based movies, what we're reading awesome. and things like that. And thanks, man. I, we would, we would, you know, the, like I said, at Rhino's, my dad's store, we would help you on that a hundred percent. That's always something we're interested in doing. Okay. Get awesome. you the, in, the inside scoop. All right. That sounds awesome. So, Jake, I found the sh- uh, short film to be funny, and it feels real because of the dialogue between the actors and actresses. It feels like they are okay. So, um, my other thing, though, too, is what character reminds you of yourselves? Um, when I was writing the script, we kind of had a general idea for who we're casting what character as, and... I really didn't want to act in the movie, but I knew I'd probably have to. So the character of James is kind of written around myself. So I'd say I can't really help but remind myself of James. Okay. And, you know, um, how would you actually characterize uh, James? How would you actually describe James? Um, James is kind of a reflection of how I used to be in, like, 10th grade. He's kind of like... um, a little shy and soft-spoken and he thinks he can do a lot more than he can and when he starts handing around leo and charlie he kind of realizes that um he just doesn't fit and he's just like um definitely a really nervous person really anxious he has an anxiety attack later in the movie so he's just kind of um always kind of on edge you know okay i gotcha um there's something else i wanted to ask you jake uh, with Lola, I know that you went into the whole entire thing about some of the characters on their uh, who they are and stuff. Yeah, but it seems like Lola seems to be the most interesting character because she's a little bit of a mystery because you don't really put anything, any kind of context into her character or who she is. So how would you actually describe her? You don't understand the character based off her four seconds of screen time in the trailer? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Lola, um, she's kind of like the girl next door of the movie. She's, you know, pretty popular amongst everyone in the city. She kind of knows everyone. And she's kind of the person who, like, connects to Leo and Charlie to the character of Henry. So she's sort of um, the love interest of James, too. So she's just sort of the bridge between worlds. She kind of brings them all together. She's not, like, the basic, like, love interest type. Like, she has, like, a personality and stuff, but... You know, it's not much of a complicated character or anything. Just, she's there. She's around. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, that's what I kind of figured, though. I mean, I kind of figured there wouldn't be no layers or anything like that to her character or anything like that. It's just, I found her a little bit interesting because I kind of wanted to get an idea of how her character actually is. Because we got a little bit of, you know, me. I actually got a lot more of the other characters, but when it came down to her, I really didn't know exactly um, what she was going to be like. So that's what I was curious about. Yeah, when the second trailer drops, we'll definitely um, get at least a bit of a better look at each of the characters and stuff, because the first trailer, we actually made like halfway through production of the movie. So, just need to get the word out there. Okay. Kind of pulled the DC Um, and saw what sticks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The scene that I really found funny was the part where uh, Joshua, uh, t- uh, who plays Charlie, tells Tucker that he needs to take off his bandana because it looks stupid. It was actually Tucker telling Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, that that was um that was a tough day. That was our first day of shooting. It was. <laughs> That was our first, that day, was our of first day of shooting. And let me tell you right now, when you see how dark it is outside, it was not that dark when we started doing <laughs> no, that. No, it was it was <laughs> way outside when we started shooting it. We were that was definitely toward the end of the day and we were kinda we were kinda done, but we knew we had to get we had to just finish this one last thing. And we took like Go a on. dozen takes. It took like a dozen takes. It was just <laughs> It took a long time to shoot. We were I can understand that, you know, and in, ca- in case anybody was wondering, it kind of uh, went out a little bit with the audio, I think. But, you know, it's okay. It's fine. Uh, these things happen. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, when shooting a film, it can go out, 
you can film it in the morning time, but then you might actually have some struggle with certain things and things like that. And it actually goes through the night. So yeah, I can definitely understand on that right. level, how it can be frustrating. There were a lot of days that, um, you know, a- after these past seven months, it's all been a learning experience. I've seen being behind the camera. I've seen everybody grow up a little bit and not only, you know, grow up in the sense of us as ourselves, but grow up as in professionality and how, you know, Leo and Charlie act, how Jake directs, how I shoot, shoot the movie. And you can also see, you know, there was these days, they were so much fun days that we just didn't want to end. And some days that were just like, (laughs) Oh boy, that was long. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the footage is hard to watch, not because it's bad footage, but it was just so hard to shoot. And so I can understand that, you know, especially I, I, I've watched a lot of uh, the talking Sopranos thing uh, with the, yeah, with the, uh, Oh yeah. With the two actors, one, one of them plays Bobby, the other one plays Christopher. And they were talking about how frustrating it was to film certain things. And a matter of fact, there was even a scene where Tony's mom winds up passing away and they're all laughing and mm. because of how stupid yeah. Chris actually <laughs> looks because he has the, uh, the actor actually had to put some type of uh, thing underneath his eyes to make it look like he's actually stoned. And they were yeah. all laughing their asses off and they had to do maybe about over a hundred and something takes because they couldn't calm down. So <laughs> in such a serious like scene and shot for that show. They're all laughing, and everybody's like, hey, what, what, what's so funny? Right. This is a serious moment, but, you know, you don't really understand what goes on behind Exactly. You, unless and, you're there. And it's such a great experience to be there. I would actually so love to fun. be on that set and also on your set as well to see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that you guys were actually doing. I bet it was fun. <laughs> all oh, right. Awesome. Be a blooper reel. Um. I'm gonna really have to t- I'm gonna have to watch that whenever you guys actually release it and things like that because I'm excited for you guys. You guys actually have something that is really golden. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. But I was just wondering that scene though was that in the original script with the bandana? Because I noticed that the other actor also has a bandana, but yet he tells him that he needs to take off the bandana because it looks fucking stupid. Yeah, that's kind of the irony of Leo. Um, like, just he's very um, top of the food chain. He thinks he is, but he is definitely not. So James is trying to like be like Leo and Charlie. So he kind of wears the bandana, but Leo's like, "No, nah, dude, that's fucking okay." Stupid. I got gotcha. you. You know, James is really and he just doesn't know how. So he's just trying to make himself look like yeah. he's up there whenever he's really not up there. Yeah, that scene was sort of scripted, but uh, we kind of like let the dialogue flow for itself. And also the fact that I'm holding orange juice was uh, <laughs> also not scripted. I just kind of walked That's out funny. Of it. Um, and uh, I start I start chugging the orange juice, and Leo's like, "Oh Jesus Christ, dude!" So that's that's that's, that's great improv- improvising. Uh, improvising. I got to tell you that I thought that actually worked because it actually does look like you're welcome because it actually does Thanks. look like it's actually scripted for that part, and. You know, my friends and I would bust our balls all the time with each other about certain things that we would drink. And I'm like, oh, Gary, you're drinking that fucking thing again? And everything. So, you know, we would bust each other's balls all the time. So I totally understood what you guys were actually going for. Um, A lot of the the humor itself, not only was it, you know, something that we wrote down, try to stay true to the script as much as possible. But a lot of it was just our genuine humor between each other. We took so many jokes from between each other into the movie. Like, um, Charlie really was making this sandwich called a peanut butter pounder. <laughs> and a peanut butter pounder is something that the actor Josh actually made in real life. And it's the most bizarre sounding sandwich, a peanut butter pounder. So we wrote that into the movie because oh, I think cool. it's hilarious. I never even heard of a peanut butter pounder, though. That's... <laughs> Right, right. Nobody, that's that's funny has. though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, restaurants later on were like, "You know what? Let's do a peanut butter pounder." 
and you're like, wait, how do you actually make a peanut butter pounder? <laughs> that would be a that would be great to sit down at a restaurant and see. Oh, hey, right? We, we because <laughs> okay, we have this restaurant out here called Mugshots, and they actually have a peanut butter hamburger. Yeah, so my oh, really? my thing is, I could just oh. see three hamburger patties with a uh, half a pound of cheese and bacon with peanut butter on it. <laughs> and that will be your <laughs> peanut great. butter pounder. <laughs> but oh, yeah. you know how you were talking about when you guys, um, when you had the, the juice in your hand and it was just improv- improvision? Well, mm-hmm. get this. Uh, when it came come, came down to like Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. with uh, Burger King, that part was actually not scripted. Oh, really? He was just hungry one day, and he huh. and he made the limo driver actually go to <laughs> Burger King. So he came on the set while he was filming and just started eating the hamburger while he was actually on the set and while they were filming. <laughs> it's funny. That's a scene that they referenced in Endgame. So just that one. That's actually pretty cool that they involved. actually did it that way. Thank you, Burger King. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, right. I think a lot of a lot of the almost purest moments that we had was just when I was on camera, just f- seeing us just being us for who we are, because uh, that comes out a lot. There's a, there's this one scene I'll never forget. Uh, Liam Warden, our friend who, what's his name in the movie? His name's Adam. Adam. Charlie comes to Adam to sell his, his collection. And uh, stolen items. And Liam was dead set, dead set on him tossing the shirt to him. And the amount of takes that we had to do, the amount of times that Tucker or myself or Josh had to step in to do the t-shirt throw right. It was just like those tiny little moments that we like (laughs) personally, I cherished that were just like, this is genuine. Just us having a good time that we hope that that will translate to our viewers, to people that, watch this movie and go this is just a movie that where they just had a good obviously we did it professionally oh yeah professionally but... <laughs> is a big word gianni but but in the fine print right and fun right us. i totally get that you know because there is such thing as professionalism but there's also a such thing as you know having a good time and people just getting along and things like oh, that yeah. and it just flows well you can actually tell that people are having a great time and that's what you want you don't want Right, you don't want to have exactly. all this drama and everything on set where everybody's just bunched up to the point where they can't get where they're just going to come bust, you know. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely something we we like. For me, I always say that no matter how hard you're working for something or how you know dead set you are on something, have fun with it. Everyone it, was so happy on set. Um, I, it was something we did a lot on set. Pretty much every day we shot. It was like me or Gianni or me or Tucker would look at each other and we had a catchphrase where we'd just like do a shikman and go, dude, we're making a fucking movie. Yeah. And we did that all the time. And that was kind of like the catchphrase. That should be on a shooting. t-shirt. <laughs> so it's good. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be sick. But I think that definitely right. kind of kept us in good spirits. Everyone was really excited about what we're making. Um, sometimes Tucker would just like send me voice messages over text of him like talking about how excited he is about it and... So no one like hated being on set, you know. So that kind of kept from a lot of drama. Did we get on each other's nerves sometimes? Right. Oh, pretty much every five minutes. <laughs> yeah. But but it exactly can't not happen. It, we didn't get um more on each other's nerves than we do. Offset, right. I can so. actually understand yeah. that because you know we're males. We're all gonna get angry at each other. You know. Oh yeah, it's bound to happen. We're bound to do one thing. But guess what? We right. never took it to heart. We never came to set the next day going, oh, well, so-and-so did this. It was just long days of filming right. that really got to us. And then we just all go home. Um, the first day on set was probably the longest day. And, one um, of them. At least one of them. And we were all so tired. But then we plugged the hard drive in, and we saw what we shot. And, like We were so proud of it. And we just put music on, like started blasting music, and we were all really excited. Because, like, just every day, no matter how annoyed or stressed out we got, it that's was just great. so fucking that, That's just it. awesome to actually hear that. Because it's like, okay, it doesn't matter how rough of a day I actually have. 
let's see what I actually have in the can to where I can actually put something to it. And then you actually see what you have and you're like, you know what? Those hard days weren't actually paid off. They weren't so bad after all. And all those days for us, we, we made a, we made a whole day excursion out of it. We said, all right, we're going to meet at Jake's house. We're going to start filming. And then afterward, once we're all done, we're going to grab some dinner, come back to Gianni's and spend the night. And we just, we made, not only were we making a movie that we loved, but we were having fun. It was like our job. And then we hung out afterward. And it was just so great. And like such a pure time that we spent with each other. It's probably probably the best. I, I love hearing life. stories yeah. about that, guys. I really do. I, I really have to say, whenever I hear stuff like that, it just warms my heart to know that you guys are that close and you guys are able to actually, after a long day, just chill and relax and just do something together. So that's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, yeah. though, too, you know how you said that, how I said with... Uh, with us guys were being hostile and everything. I remember this is just an example of that. I remember and heating and air conditioning and refrigeration when I was in college. And I remember by the second year, we were all bad at each other. <laughs> like all of us was getting underneath <laughs> yeah, each right. other's skins. And as a matter of fact, I remember one of the guys, Sam, he was actually working on a refrigerator. He goes, you know what? By the time we get fucking out of this fucking class, we're all going to need anger management. I said, I said, you know what? Right. Maybe that's why they made us take that as an elective <laughs> for psychiatry, <laughs> so that way we actually need a psychiatry for each other. Because you know what? I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> right, so good stuff though. Because at the end of the day, you know these these guys are my brothers. Right. You know, we we've been through so much together, and that's really what. Sure, yeah, of course we made a movie, and of course we're proud of it. But it's the time that we spent making the movie that personally just counts right. for me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's, it's kind of equal. Okay. It's equal. Uh, my question is this, with the character of Henry, can you both describe his character to me? It seems like he's the employee of the comic book store and he's also represents the nerd culture and maybe helps his kleptomaniac friend steal something. Before before Jake explains this, because it is his character, I love that idea that Henry works there, but Jake okay. will explain it better. All right. Like I said, uh, the trailer kind of tells you jack shit about the mm-hmm. plot and characters. The second trailer will do it a lot more justice. Um, the character of Henry is someone who's an ex-drug dealer, and he used to be like a badass guy and like really cool and dark. But then after he dropped the drug dealing he just became like a sweaty, okay. you know? <laughs> and um, I love how you used it. <laughs> I guess he represents nerd culture, but uh, he doesn't really, he doesn't really put in a good word for nerd culture. Uh, I just stuttered a lot, but uh, Henry is just kind of a middleman. He's just a funny guy who. Yeah. Has a, has a darker backstory. Than oh, wow. Think. <laughs> you know, the way the way Austin portrayed Henry perfect dude. was so perfect. We were we were actually just talking about that before we started this and how when Austin came on set, it, he he was Henry. Just the little things that he himself changed just sold the character so well. I feel like Henry is the biggest compliment we've gotten from um the trailer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I think he'll be a fan favorite. It yeah. gives you a little bit of a mystery. And like I said, <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, I we never really thought about him like working at the comic book store, but I I love that idea. Like yeah. how he's just like he has ties everywhere. Maybe if there's a sequel down the road, he could be yeah. working at the comic like, store. Like down, 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 down the road because we need a right. But I could. It'd be funny though. It'd be like can... here, here's a comic book. I don't know how that got there. Oops. And yeah. <laughs> no, I can absolutely see him being in a comic employee. Like, welcome to my humble place of business, guys. How are you doing, fellas? I can definitely see that. I like thinking. I like thinking. Uh, Henry has a Gus Frain uh, complex where he uses, <laughs> he uses the store as his outlet. Yes, drugs. That's awesome. At the front, say my name. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, this is for the both of y'all. 
And I know we touched on the graffiti a little bit and the walls. And was that all, was that at a skate park or was that basically just in any area? Um, the graffiti place, when I was scouting locations the day before with my dad, uh, he was definitely cooler than I was at my age. And, um, he was like with like the graffiti culture, like he loved, you know, hip hop, rap music. And I guess he must have done some spray painting or something because he showed me this like little corner by Village Gate Square in Rochester with a whole entire wall of graffiti. And we kind of decided to start using graffiti as a visual motif, motif, <laughs> motif throughout the movie. Um, it just kind of represents like like the juvenile edge Leo and Charlie think they have and there's also some symbolism if you look hard enough throughout the movie when graffiti appears and stuff so we definitely put some thought into that we you know I came I came on set pretty much blind as to what what direction we were going but when we got when we arrived to that little park we knew exactly what we, were we doing. knew we said this this is who Charlie and Leo are and the, I feel like that really just set the scene for the whole movie entirely the the idea of graffiti is, you know, it gives off that kind of aesthetic to people. And we we were like, you know what? We're going to roll with this. We love this idea. Like, it's kind of, like, we, I feel like, um, I'm sure this applies to a lot of people. When you start making your movie, you start to f- feel, like, the vibe and, like, what your movie's about as you start shooting it, you know? Because you know, like, what it's about when you write it. But once you're, like, really on set with the actors hands-on, you really just start to understand what you're making. Most definitely. Once you actually see the visualization, you actually know what you're going for. You know the thing you're going for. You know the motive that you're actually going for. So, you know, I can actually understand how something can actually look different on paper. Then once you actually are there, it's totally different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of things, you know, like I said, when you really look at it, our downtown rochester is such a beautiful place and between college town and village gate and just the city itself there are just a lot of little things that stand out especially if you seek it out especially if you seek it out something it's definitely it's definitely a where's waldo game uh there's a scene we shot with leo of a hospital parking garage but like in my opinion it just looks beautiful like the view and the lights and that's something you got to seek out and I kind of want to encourage people to do that with Rochester if they live in Rochester and they see the movie. Oh, because there really is just so many. There's just really hidden gems here, between and uncut gems, if you will, un, <laughs> uncut gems, if you will, between going to this comic book store to Village Gate to we shot at a um a place called the Art Museum of Museum of Rochester that sells shout out yeah shout out to them the House of Guitars. There's so many just cool places that are so unknown that when you really look into it it's a whole day's trip worth of fun more than a day man we're still we're still seeing oh yeah out. we're still finding things as we as we we're, we're rambling we're rambling it's okay <laughs> I, I love the rambleness you know go on and tell me anything you want <laughs> it's fine yeah. but you know i love hearing different stories i i love what they what you guys are actually doing um what spiked my curiosity, can you describe a time when someone disagreed with your artistic vision? I mean, a lot of the time, you know, like I said, I, I came on this blind. I wasn't going to take Jake's project and say, oh, I want, I want to do it this way. I want to do it this way. Because that's not who we are. Right. We work very fluidly, fluidly together. And... I've always said that I put Jake's idea to life. I brought it to life because not, not because I took it over and took my right hand, slammed it down and said, this is what we're doing because we both agreed that artistically and vision and our vision says, this is how we want it to be. Okay. And there really was never a dispute per se, but there's definitely times where, you know, I had to step off camera or he did. To let our visions become life. Okay, I like I like that idea of if things are getting maybe a little too heated or whatever, step off a little bit and give each other some space and then come back to it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and there was like, there's this one scene where, you know, th- this is Jake's movie. I didn't, you know, when he had a vision for a scene, I let him do it. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna say no, because like we worked. I I wasn't gonna ruin the movie because I wanted to do something different. Right. Okay. It was it was all agreed upon. You know, we were all very civil with our decisions, and that's what made made it so well that we worked together. All right. Um, my last question is this: What is the most advanced skill? This is for Gianni. What is the most advanced skill you have acquired as a cinematographer? I think, for me, it, it's working with the equipment. Um. We bought a Lumex camera, a Zoom audio recorder. Forced ourselves to learn it. Forced ourselves to lav lav mics, and I was a one man crew, the entire most of the time. We had, you know, if Tucker or Josh weren't on camera, they were behind helping me. But learning how to use all the equipment, and learning all the ins and outs of the, of the microphones, and of the camera itself, just you can almost see growth in the movie as you watch there. There was, um, we bought a Rhodes mic. We were like, Oh, perfect. This is going to work great. We're never going to have a problem with audio again. And it, it hit the fan fast. Yeah. Um, there was this one scene we were so excited. We're like, Oh, thank God it's done. We get to go home, watch it. And as we watched it, there was no audio. (laughs) We lost all the audio for one day. So we were like, oh boy, here we go. But we we felt we worked around it and we bought a professional Hollywood grade Zoom audio recorder. We bought like three or four lavalier mics, hooked them up, learned how to use them, learned how to implement them into the editing process. And it was just all the tech that we had was just so big and it was it was fun big to learn. It. For, yeah. And like I said, for a one man, one two man crew, it it was a lot. I have to convince you guys for one to learn that. I mean, that's impressive oh, yeah. right there in its own. And the night the night I got the Zoom was the same night where we were shooting the next day, and I was up until four a.m. learning how to use that shit. <laughs> I could imagine all the coffee that you guys actually had to have. So much, dude, dude. Last night I was drinking like so much coffee. I was up till four a.m. editing a scene. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but it goes to show you how passionate you guys are about film and how much you guys actually love film and how, what you guys are doing. And as long as you guys love what you're doing, you guys are going to make it. You guys have that energy. You have that gravitas to where you guys are actually going to make it. You know, Thank you. I've always, I, we, me and Jake kind of made our own slogan. As the world stopped, we were just beginning. You know, you know COVID. Quarantine hit. <laughs> And, you know, we, if I'm being honest, this might have just been one of our skits. This probably would have never come to, we had the time, the commitment, and we had the passion to do it. I feel like one day, um, like this is an idea I've always had in my head, but one day in quarantine, I was just sitting in my room and I just said, fuck it. And I just started, like, I literally said, fuck it. And I went upstairs, um, opened my laptop and just started writing the movie. And I feel like I knew, like, it's senior year. If I'm ever going to do this, it has to be now. And I just did it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That, I'm I'm just happy for the, both of you guys. Um, Thank you. You're very welcome. And I also have another question, and this is not part of the interview or anything like that. But I've been doing my 31 Days of Horror. I've been on a roll lately with doing nothing but oh, horror yeah. movie reviews. Yeah. And... I'm just wondering, what horror movies actually stick out for you? What's that one horror movie that you have to actually watch on Halloween? All right, I got, I got maybe a hidden gem for you. Gonna throw a curveball out there, but have you ever heard of Vincent Price? Yes. I a couple, I think two years ago now, we bought the Vincent Price collection. I'm jealous. <laughs> and it had all his movies, and I've never personally not a fan, of, not a fan of that scary stuff. I, I. I'm a light sleeper, <laughs> but the Vincent Price movies are such a, they're just, they got their own, I don't know what it is to them, but the way that he acts and directs is just so spooky and it's so good. They're great stories. And if to anybody who's never heard of him, 
I would definitely check out some of his some of his stuff. As a matter of fact, I'm actually going to be doing a house, uh, house on Haunted Hill review soon. Oh, that is that's price. gotta be my favorite one. I love that one. And that's that's the uh, he invites him to the dinner, right? Right, where he has like uh, he has like a news reporter, and they're all coming in. They're gonna win some money if they stay the whole entire night. If I, they survive, I've it. always been you know I've always nudged at Jake saying let's let's do a murder mystery. Let's do let's do something fun like that because of that movie. That's pretty cool. And uh, as for me, oh sorry, what are you saying? Uh, but no, I saw the remake for the house uh, for House on Haunted Hill that came out in '99. Oh yeah, how was and that? It, it had similarities to it and everything. Mm-hmm. It just had the ghost had more of that fast paced thing. I don't, I, I don't know if you ever saw the Thirteen Ghost movie with Tony Shalhoub. And... No, personally, I haven't. Well, it has that really fast-paced type of thing with the ghost to the point where it's like, okay, I don't really care for the shaky ghost type of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it worked pretty well. You can definitely tell one of the actors that they tried making into, like, a Vincent Price character. Yeah. And everything. They, you could definitely tell. But yeah. they got some similarities down. It was okay for a remake, but I prefer the original. Price just had such a such a defining feature to him mm. that just made his movies his like it was so perfect that's the only way I can describe it and okay. you know he's he's a legend that will definitely be missed in horror because for me that's that's what horror is exactly classic stories I agree with you so uh Gianni yes okay so I know what about you Oh, that was Gianni just talking. There. Okay, sorry. I got mixed up from me no there. Worries. Okay. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Okay. Um, as someone who claims to know a lot about movies, I have not watched enough horror, but I recently watched a bit of a hidden gem called Funny Games, directed by Michael Haneke. I never heard um, of that one. It's, I think it's a French film, and that's fantastic. And um, I love the movie Saw. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect movie, but it's definitely a gem. And, you know, Silence of the Lambs. But like I said, I really have to get a lot more into horror. Okay, I'll give you a couple that I think that you might actually like. All right. Um, Don't Breathe is a good one. All right, heard of it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing these down. Okay. Uh, Don't Breathe is really good. Then you also have A Quiet Place is good. The ending... Good. You, you've seen it? Yeah. Okay. So let me go into maybe something a little bit underrated that nobody has really watched. Are you a gamer at all? Uh, I dabble. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a movie called Stay Alive. All right. And it's got Frankie Muniz in it and stuff like that. It came out maybe in the early 2000s. It might have a little bit of cheesiness to it, but what it is is basically uh, they're all gamers. And if you die in that video game, you die in the same way that you do in real life. Oh, all right. Okay. I was just at um, a novelty store in the mall and they had a signed picture of Frankie Muniz for $50 and I bought it <laughs> when I saw it. Oh, it's wow. Hanging my, it's hanging above my door right now. That's hilarious. I know, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. But I mean, that's pretty cool though too though. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. But yeah, the only thing I got is like a I have a Robert England autograph that I got the guy who plays uh, Freddy Cougar. Ooh. So, but yeah, that's pretty cool that you actually have a Frankie Muniz picture that, that you have hanging up there. That's actually pretty cool. And probably the greatest actor of all time, so. <laughs> May, yeah. <laughs> it's not really, it's not a debate. Okay. I'll let you win that debate. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, there's actually a little bit of movie news that came out yesterday. But I just want to get your guy, your guys' opinions on something. What did you think about Jared Leto coming into the Snyder Cut? Um. Okay. Personally, not a fan. But I can understand that. I have hope for the Snyder Cut because we've been waiting for it for so long that at this point, it'd be a shame not to watch it. So I'm really hoping Snyder and Leto can work something out. To really, because I think he does have the potential 
to be a really good Joker. I think okay. he does, and I, I think, think so Snyder. Too. I think Snyder will bring that out in him. I believe so too, as well, because, like I said, it didn't matter who they got as an actor to play yeah. that role because it, the look would still be the look, no matter oh, which yeah. way you actually do it. But you know, don't forget what what David Ayer did was it was more like a comical type of movie that they actually did with oh, some yeah. dark tones. Mm-hmm. Zach is actually going to probably darken that up a bit. And I to think where that's what will work so well with the Joker that Leto tried to portray. You know, he's never going to be, they're never going to get a Phoenix type to do. Leto will never, those are two completely different characters. Muniz will never right. agree. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like I said, Leto has, he's untapped potential, hopefully. All right. Hopefully. <laughs> so. My question is this. Uh, where can everybody find you guys at? Um, my Instagram username is JakeBiznet, and that's where I post pretty much everything about the movie. The movie has a letterboxed page. Just got to look up Concrete Jungle. Our YouTube channel, That Final Domino, or just look up JakeBiznet. It comes up there. And uh, it's pretty easy to find, really. Just, you know, look up our names on Instagram. But the biggest thing, and my Instagram is Gianni underscore Rhino, the biggest achievement that we're still looking forward to is a deal that we signed with Amazon Prime. I don't so, know if signed, but oh, we, we've somehow, we somehow got our movie on there, so our movie is going to be on Prime. That's fantastic, guys. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And Thank I you. think, um, you know, in May when we were first starting this, if you said we'd, we'd see our names on Amazon Prime, I wouldn't really wouldn't really believe Jake when he told me, but seeing it all come together in the editing process and just how everything's gone, I think uh, I think pri- will be a good addition to the Prime Library. We are extremely proud of the opening. Yeah, yeah, we're really happy with how that came out. Shout out to Tiger Rider, the band, for letting us license their song for the movie. That's another thing, though. Too, I, I actually talked to Gianni about this. I actually said that it had like a Pearl Jam kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Um, like, like we were talking about the, the score for the movie is actually a family friend of Jake's who wrote it, who's a professional musician who wrote it for us. And he wrote a couple songs in there. He wrote one called panic attack, panic attack that we use. Yeah. And many others. We had another band that we licensed the song from, Called Child of Child of the Night. No, the song's called Child of the Night. The band is called Stone Nobles. You can find them on Instagram. They're great. Okay. And All right, finally, I'll give them a chance. Finally, we had our friend Liam, who acts in the movie, has his own band uh, called Meat Truck, and <laughs> and we had him write the Concrete Jungle theme. Okay. To those, I definitely love the theme. Go listen to those bands. They're very yeah. Underrated. Tiger Tiger Rider Band is definitely up there for me now. Okay. I'll definitely give those uh, bands a chance. Uh, another thing, too, I, I want to actually mention this. Uh, there's, there's actually a little comedy podcast that everyone can actually check out called Listen, Listen. This guy is from England. He is just killing it on, on podcasting as far as comedy goes with his sketches. They're like five-minute sketches that he does just on the audio podcast. So check out Listen, Listen if you guys ever get a chance to. Yeah, we will do. All right. So, of course, everybody, you guys can go on ahead and follow me on social on all social media. You can go uh, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook, Movie Lovers Unite TV Lovers Unite on Instagram. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter as well, John DeGorio8. And another thing, too, guys, is we actually have a place where you guys can actually donate towards the show. You guys don't have to. But if you guys choose to do so, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash movie lovers and get me jacked up on some caffeine and everything. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, this is just to keep the lights on at Movie Lovers Unite. And and I want to get back to my fans. And what I want to do is I want to go on ahead and start giving away a couple of digital movie giveaways, stuff like that. And like I said, if my fan, if you the fans can't do that and everything, I totally understand. This coronavirus has got everybody in discombobulated and everything, so I totally understand 
But we have that. We also have a, do- a GoFundMe page. I almost said don't fund me page oh boy. for some reason. Don't fund him. <laughs> don't do it, guys. Right. Says. Right. <laughs> but I have a GoFundMe page that you guys can actually look at. That will be in the description show notes. Another thing, too, we also have a Pinterest, Movie Lovers TV, Lovers Unite. And I'm going to have independent director Crichton Hobbs back on the show. He was actually on the show last night. And I'm going to be doing his interview for his film that's going to be released on the 30th. And I'm doing a spooky Halloween interview with him. And for his short film, Blinded by Darkness. Hmm. So. I have to check that out. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll send you a YouTube link for that and let you look at it. For sure. And that's actually awesome. going to, yeah, that's actually going to be on our YouTube channel. So it's going to be at... 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Yes. For that. So you guys can check that out on our YouTube channel whenever we get ready to do that. Tamika will actually be on the show sometime next week. We're going to do a pre-recording of the Rob Zombie 2009 film, Halloween. So we'll check that out. It's going to be released on October 31st as well. So we have a lot of things going on at Movie Lovers Unite. So as always, and until next time, Bye bye, and thank you guys for actually being on the show. It thank really does mean a lot. To me. us. Thank you so You're much very for welcome. having us. You're all very welcome. You guys are anytime. You guys are welcome back anytime. Great. Say the word. All right. All right. You guys have a good night. You, you too. too. Thank you.